0: Justin Frank Polgar and I encourage you to question the construct. Now, this episode was originally recorded, A, as a video, and B, in May of 2020, when the world was still batshit, but not quite as batshit as it is now. And because time isn't linear and we love sharing value with you, we're gifting it to you now, which is completely perfect divine timing always because it's how it's happening as you're inspired to scope the video and join our community head over to consciousawesome.locals.com which is where all the magic happens well more magic happens as well head on over to yescacao.com to stock up on your favorite chocolate track danny at dannycats.locals.com where she's not hounded by the censorship police and Enjoy today's show.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, let's keep it gentle. Welcome to the Conscious Awesome Podcast, the show where my lovely hope host.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ho-host.
1: This is my, where my lovely- Co host to Danny Katz and myself, Justin Polgar, jump into what is conscious, what is awesome, tips, tools, fun experiences, and really just free flowing on the universe and its particular conscious awesomeness, uh, the multiverse, even. Um, this is episode number 10. We have now gone into double digits. Think we're finding our, our way here too. We're getting more comfortable. We're in the conversation zone because it's just you and I talking here, DK. You like we do. We do. We do. We're uh, we do we do talk a lot. <laughs> air signs,
0: double air signs, <laughs>
1: double air sign. Welcome to episode 10. In episode 10, we will be engaging the construct, questioning the construct. Destroying the construct, smashing the construct. We're talking about the construct here. I believe it's gonna be questioning the construct, uh, mostly. And uh, Danny and I, were are very versed in speaking about the context in which we are living. And that really dictates a lot of how our conversations flow, both with each other and with the world at large. So Danny, Tell me about the first word that comes to mind when you think construct.
0: Well, this is interesting because the first word that comes to mind is marriage. And this is not something that we discussed Mm -hmm. before the show. We discussed all these other things. And as you were introducing the show, it popped into my mind as I think it might have been one of the first constructs that I started questioning and challenging from a super young age. Um, and so here's the context, context in which it's coming up. Several, several years ago, I was researching um, an article I was writing for the LA Weekly about relationships breaking down. And I must have asked at least a couple hundred people because it, it turned into a book I got into the practice of asking people who were married why they decided to get married. And 99.999% of the answers were because it was time or because I was in love or because she was the right person. And what I realized, or sometimes it was like green card or health insurance, which were my favorite answers. But what I realized was, There were zero people who I asked out of a couple hundred who had questioned the construct of marriage and made a conscious choice to step into this, um, this construct or this institution from a place of sovereignty. They were all 100% operating under the assumption that it was something that they had to do. And it was just a matter of like, when was the right time and who was the right person? And that was so weird to me because I realized no one was entering into this institution from a place of authenticity and authentically choosing. It had been sort of indoctrinated upon them and most people were like unconsciously buying into it. So that's the first notion of construct um, and my own experience of questioning a construct and just learning how people generally weren't questioning the construct that popped into my mind.
1: Wonderful lead in there thanks uh i want to call you in too about the authenticity piece because i think that we can only operate in authenticity with regard to the consciousness that we're with with regard to the construct that we're working within so maybe they were being authentic to their um people are authentic to their timeline or this is what felt right to me or something like that i mean i i, I wasn't in on the interviews Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there was some type of authentic desire to be connected and to connect and to engage with another human being. Um, I just want to put that in just because it sounded like there was no authenticity in it.
0: I totally appreciate the call-in and let's flesh it out because my question was, why did you decide to get married? And in no place did I see it as an authentic decision from the responses that I got, I saw that they, they all felt like it was something that they had to do, were expected to do. So, so from that perspective, I didn't see it as a decision.
1: There's so many of these in our life that are, these are life cycles. These are lifestyle or not. These are life milestones that, are, that we do next and next and next. I didn't know just because of where I grew up and because of how my parents uh, grew me up Uh, that you don't, I, I just thought college, you go to college after high school, like the same way you go to middle school after elementary school. It's like, this is just the next thing that you do. There wasn't a questioning of whether or not that was authentic for me or is this. So, and I think that there are a lot of examples. Marriage is probably one of the biggest ones because it's at least when it starts is a long commitment.
0: It's, I mean, it's, um, branded as a long commitment, in my own personal experience from the weddings that I've been invited to attend and just living life on the planet as I have, it doesn't feel like people really um, take that commitment that they make very seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I also have witnessed this and I think that there, I don't know what the statistic is now, but it's a pretty high rate of people voiding that commitment.
0: I believe it's over 50%.
1: Yeah. And who knows what it's going to be after people have been, uh, quote unquote, forced to be quarantined in their homes with their, with their husbands and wives where some of those relationships were really functioning best because there was space because there was some type of semblance of, of, um, of autonomy and, you know, Close quarters will bring out a lot of things for people.
0: Absolutely. What, as we, I mean, I, I love this topic. There are so many places we can go. I'm I'm curious, what's your go-to association with questioning the construct or just the, the concept of a construct in general?
1: Um, in my mind, at least, at least right now, is going to the questioning part and how that seems to be seemingly more and more uh, dangerous to, co- to question the construct. When I think construct, I think mainstream, like whatever the building blocks of a successful life are as viewed from the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that's, that's the first thing that comes up. It's this general, this is how you're supposed to live life in a good way. Totally. Um, success also uh, comes up of what success is in culture and how that construct, how many people live, try to, or live into that successfully or unsuccessfully into this paradigm of what success means without questioning what success means for themselves.
0: Totally. So yeah, the questioning I think is so key because when we were first talking about this as this week's topic, we were talking about like, is it smash the construct or is it killing the construct? And while like, obviously I'm wired with some rebel tendencies that would indicate like smash the construct or or a less violent term. And, you know, in, in our conversation around it, like I more respect people questioning it. Like it might be my choice to smash a lot of constructs because that's you know, how I'm wired or my orientation to mainstream culture, more so what I'm inviting every single person to do is to question it and then decide from having, you know, authentically questioned it and broken it apart from different angles to then decide of their own volition, whether it's appropriate to continue in the construct, to smash the construct, to obliterate the construct.
1: To create your own construct
0: to create a brand new construct, which is, sounds the most fun to me.
1: <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, it's most alivening to me to be in the creation station of that, especially post-questioning, because we've then defined the parameters that are authentic to ourselves, are going to be nurturing our growth, our development, our evolution. Um, you know, the, the questioning of the construct, I think that's, that's probably the, the best way to approach this. And in general, when I'm speaking to people, I like to, I like to inspire them to question. Totally. And it's in a lot of times... That,
0: to just like poke, not because I'm having necessarily an issue with how they're oriented, but because I'm just poking to get them to question and look at things differently.
1: There's a deep curiosity that is, is rooted in this. I think for both of us, we're totally. curious human beings. And so it's part of our constructs. That questioning the narrative, questioning people's choices, and not in an aggressive way oftentimes I, i'm not trying to get someone to change their mind, especially not trying to get them to change their mind to believe what i believe i I want people to I, I'm not trying to change people's minds i'm wanting people to use their minds to question
0: that's exactly what it is it's like Th- that's the poking. Like I'm, I'm thinking right now of a Twitter exchange with a stranger who it was like a conversation about the Matramandir And I mentioned going there when I was motorcycling through India and having this really like heart opening experience. And someone was like, you're disgusting, woo-woo person, you should die. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not understanding your train of thought here as to like, why? Because I had an experience that you don't have a reference point for, that means that I should be exterminated. And we had this really respectful back and forth where like he really stuck to it that like my whole genetic material should be exterminated from the planet. But he had a reason that ultimately made sense. like I could understand his train of logic and how he came to that. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, respect. Like, I don't agree with you that I should be killed. And I appreciate you taking the time to walk me through your thought process so I understand that there is a thought process behind this.
1: There's a respect in that. There's a, it's bravo also to your empathy for having the courage to go down the path of not being agreed with, but then, and also having a respect for the person's preferences.
0: Thank
1: you. Especially if those preferences were that you and your genetic material be exterminated. That's kind of an aggressive approach, I think. Uh, for me, <laughs> that seems like, within my preference set, that seems counter. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, I don't think the point is to be the same. I know that the point is not to be the same. It's not to have consensus. It's, it's actually to to continue that inspiring And it's really a compassionate path of inspiring people to question their narratives while also questioning our own constantly.
0: A a thousand percent. And it's like, I feel like part of it is fostering greater authenticity among the human family. It's like, I don't, you know, if someone ends up right, left, gay, trans, like whatever from the questioning, it doesn't matter where they land, as long as they're having their own authentic journey.
1: I think about this in respect to the living books, holy books, living books, Mm -hmm. Uh, like you have something like the Torah or the Old Testament, which I think has been, has had its longevity, because there is a questioning of it. Because there's, there are a lot of interpretations about all of the laws and all of the different stories and there's a lot of ways that you can approach it such that every person can find an affinity or not every person but lots of people can find an affinity and a truth that's right for them when they go down the questioning as opposed to being told by some um authoritative figure this is what it means or this is how it goes uh even uh, same thing with the constitution of the united states of america it's written with a lot of gray area for interpretation, for conversation, and so that people could find their definition that suits them the best.
0: Well, especially um, like the pursuit of happiness part. Like, one, So many parts of the Constitution I love, but I love that it, it, it invites us into that authentic exploration, and it honors that, that this country is founded on that, of like, that everyone is going to have their own means of pursuing happiness, and that that is protected.
1: Indeed indeed there's uh there's a lot of constructs that require us to engage them in order for them to be alive
0: like
1: what uh, uh like religion for example mm-hmm. i was just thinking about that specifically or government you know?
0: like religion when i think um mm. I mean, I feel like religion is sort of like each religion in and of itself is its own construct. And I know like Judaism has its own questioning and you know, Tibet has the open part of their flag. So there are these invitations for more exploration, but I'm thinking of the time when I was deeply involved in a Tibetan Buddhist lineage and I would get in trouble like all the time during the Dharma talks for pointing my feet at the Buddha statue. And I was like, the buddha wouldn't care like the buddha's a g- big giant rebel and like can we question that dictate that i'm not allowed to point my feet at the buddha like that's just not resonating for me and ultimately it was one of the main pieces why i stepped away because i was just like this construct doesn't fit me
1: what constructs do you feel like are that do fit you what are examples of some constructs that you feel affinity with
0: here's one that i um I came to very authentically, and part of me feels like it's so uncool, um, monogamy. I went through a, a phase of like, this has been dictated upon me, and I'm far more open than this, and I'm not going to take this like one man, one woman, or one you know, person, one person thing. And I went on you know, a few years, an exploration of polyamory from a lot of different angles and different configurations only to discover authentically that I'm monogamous and that that construct is actually the most supportive for me.
1: I had the same experience not surprisingly <laughs> uh, but the, the inquiry was phenomenal. I mean during that time obviously I had a lot of fun but in finding myself and finding what my preferences are ultimately monogamy was it much it just better suited my constitution, and it's the one of the benefits I think one of the greatest benefits of exploring the construct and questioning it is that the things that are that are taboo or even admired by people who are outside of the construct, like say the idea of a threesome mm-hmm. that people have such this like ooh, this is like it's so t- exotic and taboo and uh, after experiencing such things um on several occasions it to me it didn't have the same taboo like allure The the idea of it was sexier than the thing itself
0: I mean isn't that so much of the case with our sexual fantasies I think my experience with a lot of them
1: yeah I think that we when we build up expectations about something and then we live them they just they're different you know so you know, it's like the first the first time you do anything also there, well, let's just, I'm going to be specific. The first time engaging in a threesome was very clumsy. You know, it's like, well, there's, there's like four more limbs than I'm used to here. Right. And there's the coordination of people's emotional bodies and how do I make sure that everyone, because so, so much of being in an intimate space is about reading the other person's desires and being really dropped in, totally. which is- so much easier when it's two people than three or four or five. I feel
0: like it's beyond exponentially more challenging. Like it's not, it's, it's gotta be, there's some sort of weird multiplicity of it because I have the same thing of just like, wow, managing all these limbs and all these genitals and all these, it's only one more person, but the heart and the cues and the eye contact. And I was just like, I'm not that, Masterful of a multitasker to do this responsibly or deftly in a way that that I feel good about.
1: And I think that with practice, people can become better at at just about anything. And it also, it's like if you're not excited about something or if it doesn't feel aligned with what you're doing, then it's going to be more challenging. So that it's it's a very uh, it's an important thing to recognize that our expectations. Are casting a whole paradigm of fantasy of of non reality um, or you know some more fabricated reality. So there, that's important to be. It's part of the the questioning. The construct is: is this thing that I'm questioning, be it marriage or be it uh, some sexual preferences or whatnot, is this thing that I'm questioning? what I think it is, what I'm projecting it to be. And and pretty, I'd say probably 100% of the time, it's, it's different. Because when you're in it, it's a different thing. Even having kids is a, it's like, I, there's no way for me to know all of the intimate moments that have, a, that have come to be in the last 20 months. Right. I had an idea of it.
0: Right. There was a
1: construct of like being a good dad and like how, you know, in some cases, I want to be like I want to be the dad that makes the best chocolate chip cookies on the block, you know. The I, I want you to
0: be that dad, and I want to live on your block.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way. They're they're coming along really well, um, but that didn't really occur to me as like this important thing until I was living within this chosen construct. Right. I was also really intentional about about choosing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think one of the you know just to just to tie up the the monogamy piece the you know, a lot of good things came, I've, I've received a lot of benefits from questioning that construct and going down that road. The best part on this end of it is I authentically know what works for me. So I don't have to dick around or waste time with people who are wanting a poly situation or, you know, another construct that I questioned was like my sexuality and like having been with women, I was like, I'm very heterosexual you know so it's like it's at this point it's like very time and energetically efficient it's like oh okay you're looking for some sort of poly thing that's not going to work for me oh you're looking for a lesbian thing that's not going to work for me and it's just very clear like no harm no foul no judgment here's how I'm wired here's what works for me and it makes my path forward much simpler
1: when I'm thinking about the etymology of the word construct or just the feeling of the word construct, it seems to be inherently boundary-based. Like when there's a construct that is set up by virtue of the boundaries with with which it, it's held.
0: Totally. There's so many times where someone will ask me like a, a choice A, B question, and I'm like, are those my only choices? How about none of the above? You know, where it's like, do you want to go to Erewhon or do you want to go to Lassen's? It's like, hmm can we expand this? Like, can we break this, this construct as though it's only black or white? You know, like, I see it a lot. And I and, you know, like, I'm choosing to type to walk gently here. But it's like, okay, if you're not for the Democratic candidate, then you're by default for the Republican candidate. It's like, No, I can write in whomever I want. There are a lot of independent candidates. I don't have to vote at all. There are like, there's this whole realm of other options. And so often we just default to the construct, which is like a cage.
1: A bounded cage. Something that you said uh, a while ago, maybe a couple years ago, that I thought I'm still garnering inspiration from is that it's not about... You don't vote because of who you think should. Um, how does this work?
0: Oh, I remember The that. way that
1: you vote is based on integrity, not because, well, if I vote for this person, that's going to take away votes from that person, and so I should vote for... Like, that, that line of thinking, that specific construct of, it's either going to be Democrat or Republican. Right. And so I have to be strategic in that. Right. Versus if I vote with my integrity, and if everyone votes with their integrity, then we will have an integrous candidate.
0: A thousand percent. As we choose to vote with integrity, we will be living in a country that reflects that integrity. I don't feel, I know for a fact that our forefathers didn't set up our democratic republic and the way that we vote to vote out of fear and to vote in constant defense, against the worst case scenario and I don't I remember that because that was right before I think it was like the year that Obama was elected and we stayed up I think all night um like examining and deconstructing the electoral process and I remember so much of it was like well I'm afraid if I don't vote for this person this will happen this will happen and I don't make my life decisions based on fear that I'm not choosing to seed my reality with that vibration with that worst case scenario I vote for who I want to vote for you know that's why like in the last election I wrote in Bernie because at that time that felt like it was the most integrous choice for me and you know I know a lot of people who have voted for people that they don't really believe in because of fear of the other thing and on this end they feel gross they feel like they're out of integrity because they found out things about those people and i just don't think that's helping our republic very much
1: <laughs> i mean that's a very alive being an election year that's a very alive construct is the like the construct of politics and elections and um, it's pretty it's alive right now <laughs> it's very alive it's at least in, i think in both of our fields it's very alive yeah and, um, I think as we continue to question the constructs that we, that we assume, it really, it's like questioning your assumptions, uh, even the things that you, that you like and you feel aligned with to be questioning those specifically because our bandwidth is open because I have a preference for this person's message, the way that they look at politics or the way they look at marriage or religion or, um, education, I'm just gonna open up my bandwidth and whatever they say is gonna go unchecked is a very dangerous space to be.
0: Super dangerous.
1: It's actually not um, it's not gonna yield an integrous decision or an integrous world that we're living in.
0: I mean, even like just to jump away from politics, just to give us a momentary break, but like the conversation of cryptocurrency, like. I know there's a lot of excitement over that. And I'm like, but it's a fiat. Like I, I get all the other benefits of like, I mean, I don't get blockchain. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But from as much as I've delved, delved in, like I see what people are presenting as the upsides. And I'm like, but what about the larger construct called fiat currency, which since the beginning of history always fails and is based on nothing. And when I see people who are really pro- bitcoin i don't see them questioning the larger construct
1: or it's it's based not not necessarily based on nothing but based on belief and trust in
0: right right?
1: the the value is totally based in how much how many people we can get to also agree with what we think about a specific currency
0: yeah exactly i mean it's like any any abstraction any abstract construct which we have a lot of is only held together by belief in our collective agreement like hierarchy hierarchy is a construct that i'm i'm constantly questioning and like i'll see people dithering between like patriarchy is the problem and matriarchy is the answer and i'm like but you're not questioning the construct of hierarchy which alleges that there need to be losers for there to be winners so just because vaginas are winning and penises are losing like that doesn't feel like a solution to me. So can we question the larger construct that has us in competition with one another?
1: I think it's good to observe where our micro-constructs are running our lives and running our decisions, and then continually pull it further, higher and higher and higher, until we can get a large picture of consequence. and, And that Every construct has consequence of light and dark, of shadow and illumination, and to be able to, to objectively—even though you know objectively is maybe a tainted word in that way—to uh, be able to align our subjective view with as many sides of a of a con, of a of a situation of a construct as possible gives us a more knowing, a more more ability for myself. It gives me a more a more trustworthy. Like I trust myself and my opinion more.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, ex- exactly. It's just having that knowingness and that that like authentic understanding instead of allowing ourselves to be indoctrinated and just blindly give our faith.
1: <sighs> yeah, the bu- the blindly giving faith piece is um, is easy for. If you are happy to just be in a construct that has been provided for you, then blind faith is awesome. Then that's the way to go.
0: I mean, these days I've been pretty envious of those people. I was like, wow, it must be cool to just like blindly believe that the government has our back and the FDA has our back and the AMA has our back and like to go through life with that, sense of being taken care of by all these perceived authorities. Like, today is a day where I was very envious of people who are operating that way.
1: And, but the envy is also, it's it's a projection of what you think that's like. I don't think you're wired for that.
0: I know I'm not wired for
1: that. (laughs) I know that you're not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um, okay, so when you're questioning the construct, How, like, how do you even begin that process? Or do you just always, um, always, always have filters up so that you can be sorting through what needs to be questioned? How do you even begin questioning the construct?
0: A lot of times it comes from when, like, I feel like I'm backed against a wall, which is what happens to me when I'm in a construct of, like, if you're, you know, red or blue or this or that, or just feeling like trapped um, and not aligned, And then I'm looking at like, where I feel like I need to choose or align in a certain way. There's generally like a pressure in like my chest or my throat or just feeling like, I mean, for me, a lot of times, like I'm like a caged lion and -hmm. it's when like, it all explodes, I realize like something isn't working for me. This construct isn't working. You know, like having been fired from every job I ever had.
1: (laughs) Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Yay consistency. Um, At some point realizing like maybe this construct of working for someone under a perceived hierarchy is something that I need To start questioning so sometimes it's just like failing enough or falling on my face enough or like you know like biting the dust or you know breaking enough bones or you know scraping my chin enough times where i'm like i don't want to do this again there's there's a bigger question that has to happen
1: there's got to be another way yeah that's a that's actually a great prompt there's got to be another way and then Rhetorical,
0: and I also think a lot of it with construct is when I'm feeling like disempowered and like, oh well, I, I have to do this or I have to do that, and I'm like, like when there's like a have to or an obligation, well, I'm like, wait, what is that? Because I think I, for me, obligations tend to clue me in to to constructs, societal expectations,
1: lack of freedom. Yeah, That's, that seems to be. I mean, just in witnessing your evolution, I see that any semblance of, any, any threat to your freedom is gonna get some questioning pushback and likely an adjustment to the construct or exiting of one construct for, for another.
0: Yeah,
1: There's actually, uh, I, was, I was telling a story where I was doing like improv storytelling. I, I, I just didn't know where the story was gonna go but I was in a safe space with some friends, and um, it was a story about. I'll, I'll kind of make a summary of it. The story was about this kid, this child. The story was about this child who was realizing what boundaries were, and he he kept finding himself in a in another box. And you know, the the wisdom was to uh, be out of the box, like think out of the box. It was like that was the. The curriculum of the school he was in was the, the out of the box school mm-hmm. and uh, you know think out of the box and there's a yellow line in the playground where this is where the upper graders are and this is where the lower graders are and he was he was finding all of these boundaries and it occurred to him that in, every time he got out of the box of thinking there was a new box to be in and it seemed like this end as unending process, and there was a frustration in it. I was having such a good time with this storytelling, and I, like his his needing for for something to hold on to that wasn't infinitely challenged. And there was a, an aha moment in the story where the little boy realizes that instead of thinking out of the box, that if he just was the box, just be the box. Be the box, Jerry. Be the box. Then he was able to grow or or shrink with the box without ever having to leave who he was. Mm. I, I want to like maybe simplify it and then put it into like a kid's, a child's, a children's book. I like that I'm catching myself on the kids thing because
0: will, will you share that with the audience? I feel like that's helpful. yeah.
1: I could I could jump into that. Uh, I, I recently learned this too. Um, that around the, the early 60s, it became very culturally trendy to not call your children children or my child and to say kid. Like it was this slang that kind of permeated into the collective consciousness. And uh, as some some things that come into the collective consciousness are very organic and they just come about, other things are more orchestrated. And with hindsight, when I, I I'm looking at this shift okay in the 60s we started doing this other things were happening in the 60s that were that were evidence at least from here that there were agendas at play that there were certain ways that it was going to be helpful for people to think in order to organize people and to to make America into this more a better place a better future anyways with that concept with that uh, context, the word kid is actually the name of a of, of what you call a baby goat or a child goat. The progeny of a goat would be a kid, and uh, the goat is also a symbol of Satan. It is a symbol of darkness it is the symbol of the prince of darkness and I think it 's important in our use of language to observe where symbolism is at play, but we don't necessarily. We're kind of checked out from that meaning. And soon, there's something that felt res, res, restrictive or contracting for me about referring to children as little, like you little devil, you. And then, as often as that has become, and then I also think about the movie Kids. Do you remember that movie in the '90s?
0: I do remember that movie.
1: Yeah, and it was like you know all of, I mean, it was. The, it was a dark movie. So wow. there, there's this like, I mean, really well, well done movie, but, and very dark. And so when, when I'm seeing opportunities to take things that are held in darkness and transform them into light or to use the, the lighter tone that I choose that. So to me, I stopped using the word kids as I'm training myself to stop, use it, stop using it because I don't want to refer to all children as little instruments of the devil.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I am also um, making that shift in my own personal lexicon, thanks to your illumination.
1: Such a subtle, such a subtle language shift, and it just gets me to be aware of 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 the deep the the deep get uh, of the deep meaning in language and how powerful it is. I think uh, what is it language broken down in etymology is the is lang gauge which is the gauge of depth so your gauge of depth is your language uh, and so the more that we engage our language we're we're more likely to utilize utilize it as a tool for creation as a as opposed to a a, a tool to check out or just to communicate our ourselves but maybe not our authentic selves
0: or to control, what's coming up as I'm speaking, as, as you were talking was when you were talking about KID is um, social engineering and how often these, these constructs are used as a means of social engineering, um, like with what's going on in the past few years with identity politics. And like, you know, like if I'm not on board to go to a Black Lives Matter march, then within that construct of engineered thinking, I must be racist. And it's, you know, like that very sort of reductive black, white, um, I know there's a word for it, for that sort of like, it's very intellectually dishonest, but like I see um, a lot of those constructs being used um, for social engineering and, and now we're seeing why <laughs> and and the effects that that social engineering is having on our culture.
1: Yeah, it doesn't always go in the way that the social engineers want it to go, I don't think.
0: I mean, I feel like, do you feel like right now it isn't? I feel like it is.
1: I think right now it seems very obvious. It's obvious to me. Not obvious to most people, though. I don't know. I'm curious from our listeners, um, You know, if you're tuning into this, if this resonates or you know i've i've told the the kids to child shift to a couple people that they're like oh, Justin, you like you think about these little things like doesn't really matter you know it's like all the little things that don't matter and all of a sudden we're living in a world that doesn't doesn't really line up with what i w- what i want my to design my world to be
0: that is so frustrating to me because i've heard that my whole life of like you know that's why my youtube channel is called words are matter with the r in parentheses because it matters so much you know every word is programming our collective reality when you think of how often people yep. are using the term kids and how often that satanic reference is seeding our collective and our culture it's pretty massive
1: yeah the little things that are very like fly under the radar get the most the the most play. Yeah. And that's fine if if for honestly if someone else thinks that them and they want to continue doing it, power to you and I'm just going to keep doing what's right as far as my inner my rudder and my my compass. You no know, that's Totally. That I think for as many people as there are on this planet, that should be the minimum number of constructs that there are. I think each person has at least the construct that they're living in in the moment and all of the constructs that they came from and everything that they will evolve through, you know? So I think that we're often given the idea that there's not that many options. It's like what you were saying before, like I need to be like these people. And we think we're also wired into more being more of a tribe, and so it's, there's pushback against disagreeing. You know, not not every construct has space for disagreement right. within it.
0: And, mm. Oh, go ahead.
1: And 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 that's to me that's a dangerous that's a dangerous thing because then we get people doing things and going along with things that don't actually fit them. I mean, I think about someone who gets married. You know, even like gets married in in their early twenties because that's what they're supposed to do, and then they live their the next forty or fifty or sixty years of their lives in in a prison. And the way when, when I'm saying prison is in something that's helping them to thrive. Now, not that you can't thrive from from uh, adversity or thrive from being in in experiences that are, uh, that are not comfortable or life-giving. Um, but there's just a better way. Like, it, is there a better way to do this? You know?
0: I think that's what we're looking at where we're at in our culture right now. And that's like, you know, conscious awesome is about thriving, right? It's about optimizing our lives and like having the most amazing, expansive, you know, connective, joyful, experience in this incarnation that we can. And it seems like so much of what is going on right now is like people who are choosing survival and like really devoted to this notion of survival at the expense of the liberty of those who are prioritizing thriving.
1: Totally, I'm a uh, I'm 100% on board with not only seeing that but choosing the thriving as an optimal way and as, as the way that's healthy to live. And that's creating the best case scenario as opposed to defending against the worst case scenario.
0: Exactly. And I feel like, and this, you know, I'm, I'm just tying these pieces together now, but like to live a life devoted to optimization and to thriving, I feel like it requires questioning the construct because the construct wants us to be in survival, to keep that you know, that matrix machine running. And the only way to get, get out of that is to question the construct and the indoctrination. And the rewards for doing that, to be able to live a thriving life are so phenomenal. There's just so many um, constructs in place to to keep people in that status quo and in that not thinking, not questioning, you know it's like people with the mask right now like are you questioning this construct are you are you looking at all of the parameters that are pointing you know that have the people telling you you need to do this because my sense is that when i see someone who's wearing a mask driving in their car by themselves <laughs> or walking by themselves outside there's no construct questioning happening there and is that a thriving is that a thriving moment? Is that a thriving way to move through life with the muzzle on?
1: Not right or wrong. Just question the thrive.
0: Question it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. there's. A, it's funny because I, as you're saying this, I was in my mind, I was thinking about Super Mario Brothers and uh, video games in general, how you can usually go through the video game from start to finish and complete each level in the way that it's laid out to be to be lived. But almost every one of those games has secret ways to go through to warp around. Totally. And you know, those hacks are are kind of what we're talking about here.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's like here are the rules that are laid out, but what happens if I question them and go down this hallway and push this button? And then you get, you know, you're like 12 levels ahead. Bingo. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I I learned from an early age that bending the rules gave me much more flexibility than breaking them. There's a lot more freedom in bending rules than breaking rules. Sometimes breaking rules can result in, in harm to other people. Very rarely does bending rules. And it's not like I'm trying to get away with it. I'm just, I'm more so attempting to live within a construct while also being true to myself. And if it's not possible to bend rules and still live within a construct, then, uh, then I have to choose a different construct or get to right. choose a different construct.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. There's, uh, there is a, a lot of work to do here as a human being. As a conscious human being, there's a lot of work to do and a lot of hacking and questioning and, you know, to be taught how to question would be a great thing. I mean, that's actually the way that I end up engaging the uh, construct or questioning the construct or how I start into it is usually through an awareness that everyone seems to be doing something. Mm
0: -hmm. When a
1: big group of people are doing something, that usually cues me into questioning it. Maybe it's cool. Maybe I'm also in alignment with it but maybe not. And until I ask those questions and penetrate what's true for me, it's, it's like an itch on my back. I, 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 have to, I have to continue questioning it and educating myself as to what's, what's right, what's real for me. And usually, just because everyone else is doing something, usually, when everyone else is doing a specific thing, I say everyone, I say perceived everyone, Right. that's a clue to me that that's not for me.
0: Same. Same, yeah, like general consensus reality is a... I remember just like a few months ago, like there was some big press conference and my friend texted me the link and I was like, if the whole world or the bulk of people are gonna have their attention focused on some specific media transmission at the same time, I know I don't want anything to do with it. I'm happy to check it out after the fact and then sift through, you know, for myself. But I just got this real clear hit, like, "Mm, probably not a good idea. You know, my intuition was just like, "Mm -mm, there's too much, too much access. Like when there's, when the collective, when the powers that be have access to um, the majority, I feel like that's a good time to be invisible, (laughs) to be on the outskirts.
1: To be more objective with the experiment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and you know i i hear in my mind i hear familiar pushback that i've gotten by doing different and by being different and part of what i'm doing i'm i'm conditioning the people around me to almost expect that i'm gonna do something different than what they think i'm gonna do Uh, such that it should it should not be a surprise that i don't agree with something you can have your opinions about whatever that means about me but I, you know I, I know, I know that there's pushback and there's this general, there's a, there are a few specific examples of people railing into me about, oh, well, you just think you're better than everyone else. Like you have to do this. And like that doesn't even cross into my mind of being better than or I'm superior or, or elite or something like that. It is wholly to do with what feels in integrity and what feels right for me to be doing.
0: That right there is like the crux of someone who's um, trapped within the construct. Because if you're trapped within the construct, then you're gonna take someone who's behaving in a way um, that threatens the construct, like it becomes against them, right, because they can only think within the construct. So it's like if I'm in the construct and I'm left and you're right, then you must be against me. And when we're not even in the construct, we're not operating the construct, people who are have a very hard time wrapping their minds around the fact that, like, we're not even in that conversation.
1: The binaries, of course, that totally makes sense. The binaries, the black and white, the dichotomies. Right. Duality of things.
0: Right. Exactly. These are
1: not set. These These are not universal truths. And... And that that is something to be questioned. I mean, it'd be great even to uh to dive into what are universal truths, and what are the things that are that are not that are more principles more so. so i would I would kind of call a um I would call a universal truth. uh even that feels silly to say at this moment. It's more like a principle where it doesn't matter which construct it's occupying, it still holds the same tenacity. Uh, like I think about things like um, the Tao Te Ching, right? Mm-hmm. There's a law of nature that is, it's a commentary on nature and on the laws of reality and the laws of, the laws of nature. And it's, I think just about any of those, I think there's 81, uh, I want to say 64, but I think it's 81. I want
0: to say 64 too, but that might not be right.
1: <laughs> any one of those verses has a principle that can be applied to many different constructs. And I think when, what I know for myself, when I find a truth in that way, that's almost how I define a truth. Something that's true is something that does it doesn't matter what the construct, it holds.
0: Exactly. I mean, I would say like do unto others is a construct that holds. Like it doesn't matter your religious affiliation or your race or your creed, whatever. I think we generally agree, like it's right to do unto others what we would want done to ourselves.
1: I think into, I mean, there's conceptually people agree. Uh, in exactly. action, not always the yeah, case. Yeah, not
0: so much. Not I so use
1: much. that as a guide for myself when I'm. Uh, like I had an experience where I was subscribed to a specific, uh, to a thread, that was presenting ideas that were counter to what I knew to be true for me. Yeah. Counter to less than that, counter to the ideas of, of what I was finding in my research. Yeah, uh, and I was exposing myself to this thread so that I could be questioning my research and questioning my narrative. And uh, it, there was a moment where I was just like, Oh, this is blatant misinformation. And then I thought, Huh, this is totally what people think about me. Like, uh, people have told me that before, like, Oh, what you're saying is misinformation. Which is just a weird word altogether, because information is information doesn't have a charge, it's just data they're just data points, you know right so um, that was a really powerful moment where I understood that do unto others, so that changes the way that I have rage or feelings when I disagree with someone was I know this to be true, like this is true, and anyone who doesn't like i I'm totally guilty of that, I definitely have that space of my blind spots where I'm, I get upset about something.
0: I have that space and I'm, you know, that's been really up for me since, you know, since the last election when our culture has gone crazy. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, I am questioning that because I'm like, they think they're right, I think I'm right. I'm saying this is disinformation, they're saying it's disinformation. I do check myself. And I got into that habit when I was dating a guy who, you know, was a diehard leftist, and I'm nothing, you know, which is very hard for people. Like I'm not left, I'm not right, like I'm not in the construct. Um, but because I was in that relationship, I I had made a pledge to myself to prioritize relational harmony over being right, and so I got in the habit of like toning down my righteous indignation about what I knew or thought I knew um, to be more respectful. And while it did lend itself to more relational harmony and there were a lot of benefits for me and a lot of learning, I was also full of shit a lot of the time and giving too much credence to bullshit. so it's, you know, it's tough when we do as deep research as you and I do, you know, and I, I know that you're someone who's very responsible with like, I haven't really delved into that enough. I don't feel comfortable speaking to it. And it's a fine line these days of like, wanting to be respectful, wanting to be compassionate, understanding that I have blind spots and at the same time, not discounting the depth of knowledge that I hold or the depth of research that I've done, I I, I'm a, I don't know what to do about that one because mm-hmm. we're, we're operating in a time where like people will have completely different sets of facts and different notions of what's happening. Um, so I'm still figuring that one out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that because there's two people come to the table or 10 people come to the table and each of them have different facts that are true and you know even if it's like a scientific study just because it is a scientific study an article it doesn't mean that it is a that is a fact or whatever you're pulling from that because there's still that human there's an extrapolation of data or an opinion from a specific data set and then there's all the biases that come along uh, to the paper And to the person's interpretation of it, we have preferences, we want certain things, we all think we're right. And so getting really comfortable with questioning where we think we're right, is a great way to identify the construct that we're living in. It's difficult to speak to someone about a construct that they're living in, while they're living in that construct. Yep. It's it's the fish and water situation.
0: Completely, completely. It's a very abstract exercise to question our constructs. And I feel like the more that I do it, the more adept that I get. Like even one concept, and this does count as a construct, is like when someone is speaking and I'm really on board with what they're saying, and then they say something that I know is completely untrue, and noticing the inclination to then discount everything because of that. And I feel like that 's a construct that right now i 'm in the process of undoing is like just because they say you know they got something wrong um, doesn 't discount the veracity of everything that they said, and it takes a lot more work, but it 's also like i think it's i'm i 'm becoming more human and more compassionate to the fallibility of humanity in deconstructing this current construct of expecting people to be 100% right and 100% in integrity all the time, you know?
1: Well, because you expect that of yourself. That's like do unto others as you do to yourself. Right. Sometimes, if that, that's important to recognize that if we have a tendency to be hard on ourselves, then we are also going to be hard on other people. Right. And then to, and sometimes it helps to be gentler on other people, which then in turn becomes gentler to ourselves doesn't mean agreeing with people necessarily, just gentler in the way that we, that we hold them. You know, it's like sometimes if I see someone who, I, who is just religiously dogmatic about a specific thing that I know to be disproven or to be based in some type of non-fact, yeah. instead of me thinking that they are a bad person or an idiot or anything like that, it's more like, whoa, I have compassion well, I'm going to like wrap that person in forgiveness and permission to evolve through, you know, to evolve themselves. Yeah,
0: um,
1: It's a practice. It's a practice to do. Con- I mean, it.
0: consciousness is a practice. Conscious awesome is a practice and like awakening. And it is all moment to moment, nonlinear practice.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, and the thing is that we can question things without, being identified with the findings—that's a really, you know, to be identified with a construct is also a very, it's a dangerous thing because you are not a construct; you are a nearly infinite being. And uh, yeah, that that the, yeah, it's not an identity. The construct is not an identity.
0: Well, and I think it requires that we unidentify to question the construct because so often questioning the construct leads to an uh, obliteration of whatever identity was attached to said construct. um, You have to be willing to let that go.
1: Yeah, that willingness is actually one of the key, that's like a foundational piece. It's almost like if you were packing to go on the trip of deconstructing your your construct or questioning your construct, you gotta put in your pack willingness. Yes. Big time. Um, Obviously an open mind. And self forgiveness. Yes. Big time. Yeah. What other things do you think we put in our construct pack and our co- deconstructing or questioning construct pack when we go on that hike?
0: Objectivity, which, you know, of course, no human is authentically objective, but to be able to look at things from different angles, um,
1: multiple lens. Put yes. a kaleidoscope, a multi-dimensional
0: in your pack. lens for sure, and and all humility. I think humility is key to the construct questioning because when our identity constructs are shattered, it is humbling.
1: <laughs> I've had I've had a few experiences, maybe more than a few experiences, of the shattering of a construct, and it takes time to 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 rebuild. It takes time to remember and to find out who we are ultimately that, that who we are that comes through, it just is so much deeper in its experience. Like we have access to sensation differently when we are living in our truth.
0: That's the thing. And we can't like, it's certainly possible that, you know, a person who has questioned zero of their constructs is living in their truth, but they won't know it authentically until the constructs are questioned.
1: Yeah, I think have fun questioning.
0: It is so fun.
1: Yeah, I think um, any place that you feel that you are not allowed to question, that would be a construct.
0: Yeah. That's That's
1: a great way to identify a construct.
0: That's the key. I mean, I'm thinking of like the, the myriad times that I've identified as vegan, and you know, like when I was in Argentina and offered beef while staying at a ranch where the, you know, the, the cows were living, you know, at least a dozen times. And my knee jerk response was, no, I'm vegan. No, I'm vegan. No, I'm vegan. And after a couple weeks of that, I was like, wait a minute, am I going to be like 90 years old and look back on that time that I was in, in Argentina and I was offered all this amazing meat and I kept turning it down because of an unquestioned identity construct so the next time that i was asked i was like yes i would totally like to try the meat and i'm so happy that i questioned that construct and put that identity away and gave myself that experience which was delicious
1: hallelujah (laughs) Uh, it takes you know there's a courage aspect too because when we are identified with a construct to to even admit that it's yeah, to even take a tiptoe out of that construct, it takes courage. There's there's a, there's a, a, brave, there's a brave new world on the other side of there.
0: Totally, and I, I'm like, I'm so rooting for everyone listening to be brave.
1: <laughs> be brave, they be say. Be
0: brave, friends.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the uh, home of the free and the land of the brave, at least America. That's where we're living. Yeah. And so I think waking up that construct that construct of someone who uh, values freedom. You know. And the constructs are neither good nor bad. And I think that's important to say as well. Constructs are existing for us to question them. It's a, it's a product, it's a human being. We, we create these constructs collectively so that they can be tested, pushed against, broken, um, expanded upon, transformed, all of the above.
0: Yeah. It's again, yeah, totally. They're not bad. It's just coming into right authentic relationship with them. That's it. And not, not living in a a life where we feel obliged or like we don't have choice or like we're trapped in these things that have been, um, you know, pushed upon us. It's just so empowering to figure it out for ourselves and to know like monogamy is a construct that totally works for me. Marriage is a construct that, totally works for you. Um, and we can know that because we question them enough um, to now be at ease with them and to be in right relationship with them.
1: I choose to be seated in myself and in my truth and seated in a place of trusting myself for where I am today and also taking responsibility for where I am today because I, uh, I was lucky enough to start questioning things. I had a uh, my friend's father, who's a very wise man, and has a really kick-ass job, uh, tonal singing tonally, doing like resonance toning in different places around the world that are acoustically tuned and like beautiful ancient ruins and such. Uh, he teaches workshops doing these things. Uh, David Hikes is his name. We'll put a little link to to his stuff. I think he's still doing stuff. Um, he said in a workshop that the quality of your life is directly correlated to the quality of the questions that you ask. And that blew my mind. And do you know what? It's still blowing my mind. I come back to that all the time.
0: Yeah, I've heard you say that. And that that is still blowing my mind as well. And I, it's super resonant.
1: I keep on wanting to say this thing after... All these, I, I say things and then I say, prove me wrong. I wanna see, I don't know if you've seen that meme with the guy sitting at the table. And it's like, it's a, a white, is like a white cloth in front of the table or a white board. And it, people will put on different controversial topics. And then at the bottom it says, prove me wrong. And it's this guy like sitting out in some I don't know, some college campus or some park or something. And uh, I've just been wanting to, to say something and say, prove me wrong. Honestly, though, I mean, I'm, I'm actually wanting to be pushed up against, because that's also how we strengthen our resolve and strengthen our, our ability to, to be firmly rooted in the construct that is appropriate for ourselves.
0: It all comes back to questioning the construct.
1: Indeed. I mean, I, I feel like that, that wraps it up really nicely.
0: I feel like that as well.
1: Thank you, DK, for this questioning the construct. Episode 10... Hallelujah. Thank you to our listeners who have tuned in and who are percolating. And hopefully this has expanded your consciousness in some little or gigantic way. If it's gigantic, please take time to integrate. It's important.
0: <laughs> and don't feel restricted by little or, gigan- or gigantic because there are omniscopic possibilities all around.
1: <laughs> yes to that. Thanks, so, thank you. Thanks thank you, DK.
0: And
1: uh, tune in next week. For more conscious awesome.
0: Woohoo! See you then. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like, to share it with your nearest and dearest, and remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, Tribe.